Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy So So. In case you ain't no So, and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, UFC 287 was definitely a banger here in Miami. John Rahm wins the 87th Masters with an impressive comeback. The Heat, they survive into the seventh seed to make the playoffs. And we recap the rest of the sports weekend. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. Another dope sports with Soso on the deck. <laughs> what episode is this, dog? This is 133, 132. We're up in the 130s now, dog. It's hard to keep tra- count. It is. Know? It is. That's why I asked. Welcome back, everybody. That's the consistency. <clears throat> That's what it does. That's yes, sir. Does. How was everybody's weekend? How was your weekend, sir? It was good, man. Full of uh, excitement in sports, you know, even nationally, obviously, and with our local teams, too. Just seeing, being able to watch anything and have some type of interest into that. Like, yeah, UFC down here this weekend. Um, it was just a great weekend, right? Because I'm a sports guy. So if you enjoy sports as much as I do, you definitely got your your money's worth this oh, yeah. weekend. Oh, yeah, definitely. What about and you? You had, uh, you had the Masters going on and you had playoff implicated basketball and Hockey and baseball's kicking off, and Bro, you have Easter weekend just happened. Oh, hey. It's a, f- a jam-packed weekend, Doc. You know, so how, how do you look your family in the face and say, hey, I cannot hang out with you on Easter because there's way too much going on? Yeah, yeah. I you mean, can't. you got that's why yeah. you buy a bunch of TVs, right? You put and them all over the house. And then you bring everybody over. You bring everybody over, and you're like, guys, don't worry. I'll host. Trust me. Every conversation <laughs> you're in, you got a good vantage point. Exactly. Something. That's how you do it. That's dog. like a degenerate gambling That's how you dream. do it. Or you don't go anywhere, and you're like, oh, I'm not feeling too well. <laughs> I'm just going to stay home today, you know? But <laughs> I, I sent the East to the basket on an Uber. Yeah, I got some food poisoning <laughs> last night, but it's on the way. It's on the way. Don't worry about the Ubers. I'm sorry, Mr. Egg Hunt. It's the, yeah. Take, send me pictures. Send I'll, me pictures, please. I'll Photoshop. <laughs> I'll Photoshop myself in there. Uh, while I watch while I watch the Masters. Yeah, man. I mean No, nah, it was perfect though. It was I perfect. We, we did we did we did it all of that, all the egg hunt, all that stuff early in the day, and then literally right when we ended it, just started pouring. And it was like, yeah. wow, perfect timing. Perfect like right time. when we decided to end everything and then came home and sure enough, just turned on the TV, watched the Masters and everything. Uh so it was a very low key weekend, but you know, very eventful. Very, very eventful, man. And we gotta talk about the biggest event that happened this weekend here locally ufc coming back after 20 years dog in 2003 we're talking about matt hughes fighting sean shirk in the championship dog wild matt hughes dog um, i saw dana white posted something or said well, in the press conference he talked about they made like half a million dollars 20 years ago when they came yeah i think that was like their gross revenue yeah they just cleared like 11 and a half million or something like that in one night in one night sold the whole thing out and when i went to the press conference on thursday right because i got to to go check that out um it was a lot of fans there dog granted you know it was people still walking in and like even when the crowd came out you're talking about over 500 people that were there dog to watch a press conference and then friday at the actual um not the actual weigh-in because you know they do that uh, behind the scenes with the media only, and then they do a ceremonial weigh in 
And that was that shit was packed too. So yeah. that just gave me a vibe that like this weekend meant a lot to not only the people who like to come to events, but the hardcore MMA f- fans, you know, that want to come out here and see some good fights. Yeah, bro, and everything that was going on around it. I know that there was events going on all around downtown, Brickell, yeah, uh, Winwood. Bro, Justin Gage, something at Grails. Grails. Yeah, yeah, bro. Shout out to Grails. Um, yeah, that, that that's again it's showing you that the market is dying for this type of events. You know what I mean? There's plenty of cool places to have them, right? Uh, Izzy was doing a, a signing and uh, like meet and greet at a shoe store down here, which happens to be owned by one of his good friends. Like those are things that are very Miami, right? When you think about it and the UFC recognized that it's very marketable down here and they need to be able to take advantage of that. And I think they did that this weekend, dog. Um, it, Saturday was packed, 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 Joel, up to the 400s, dog. Like, that I'm looking up at them, you know? Right. And, dog, I didn't think that I, that I would ever see that unless it's like a championship game, a game six, a game seven, you know, playoffs. But I mean, everybody you, there you to watch it, UFC, dog, wow. First time in 20 years, bro. And yeah. there's a lot. You look at the people that, that fight and where they fight out of. I mean, they fight out of here. Out yeah. of, out of Boca, you know, out of, out of Pompano, like Coconut Creek. Coconut Creek, they're just up the road. So it's like, bro, all their family, everybody want, you know, like it's an event and it, it shows that like it's worth doing it here. Yeah. And I think they're going to do it here more often. Uh, yeah. He definitely announced that they're going to be bringing it back. You know, within five years, they're going to have another UFC event here, maybe two, because the, it makes sense. Right. The dollars make sense. The right. money that they made on this weekend was incredible. It goes beyond Saturday. Right. Because like you said, there were all these type of UFC sponsored events that they're putting up investment in that are paying dividends. Right. Because people go, they buy merch. They want to stand in line for an hour to go meet Justin Gaethje. You the know food, what I mean? The beverage. All of that. Parking. Dog, all of that. You know what I'm saying? So they're able to show the city, hey, look at this impact that we have when we're here. Makes it a lot easier to have more fights here. And like you said, the, the amount of elite fighters right throughout all the weight classes elite fighters that train down here live down here that's that just makes even more sense that's like boxing being in las vegas 80 percent of the boxers that are fighting consistently either live in vegas or live very close to vegas right so just shows you it makes sense um saturday night was incredible they put a great card together uh, even the prelims, the prelims you and I were talking about it, that Kevin Gaslam fight yeah. at the end. The that, final prelim. The, the final that prelim. Been, that actually was, I would argue, was better than a couple of the cards, you know, fights on the fights. main card. Yeah. Definitely more that exciting. Was a, it was a brawl was a all the way to the end. Only thing war. that we disagreed with we were, when we were watching it live was they gave it to him unanimously. Yeah, it wasn't that. And we didn't think if some one of the one of them scored at thirty twenty seven, and yeah. we didn't we didn't think we didn't agree with that. Like he, we would have thought he won, but like it was very very even, bro. That, that yeah. fight, especially the, that third round, Curtis put a hurting on him. And Curtis is a is a dude who can end the fight like that, you know. And the fact that Kevin withstood all that shit, bro, shows you what type of warrior Kevin he is, is, bro. He can, He's he, a beast. He can eat a bunch of punches, bro. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, part of the excitement of the card was. The first fight on the main card, which was Raul Rosas Jr., the Mexican 18-year-old, taking on a veteran fighter in Christian Rodriguez, who's young, but he's also full of fight experience. And that kid does bring a lot of excitement and a lot of fans. I was talking to you about it, you know, like the Mexican fan base definitely showed up and showed out because there were a lot of Mexican flags being flown, like people representing the country, like 
cheering for these guys. And it was impressive to see for me, right? And Raul got a lot of love, you know, but Christian had a lot of people there too, you know, again, people driving down from Coconut Creek to come see their their boy fight on a main card on UFC, right? Like, yep, and he dominated him. And he, he dominated, dominated he really, him. He really, you know, showed that uh, Rosas is who we thought he was. You know, an inexperienced younger fighter yeah. that has potential, but lots of potential. He is still, you know, he's not ready. I no. don't think, especially that was wild. We were talking about that too. Like the fact it's it's we were talking. You know, there's white privilege. <laughs> we kept having the conversation about Dana White privilege, and if you're in the good graces of Dana White or Dana White sees you mm. as like a passion project or something like that, like you're gonna get more love. Second fight in the UFC. Honestly, does that kid deserve to be on a main car pay per view like that? You know, the story mm. behind it argues yes in the social media aspect right. and all that stuff and whatever but you look at the result of it and it's like that kid you know is, is that really the best fighter that you know should have fought him i mean if you look at the the level of competition that he's facing i kind of i think it answers the questions of yes you know because let's say he, he went and, and tried to get the choke on christian early right and had him pretty much beat the first round he was up on the card he was able to take him take him down had multiple to- attempts to try to choke him out like real naked he controlled chokes. that first round completely right so you see him and you're like damn he can kind of hang with this guy can he sustain it though where's where is his experience level at right because the kid was in shape even in the third round, when he knew he's losing, you know, 30 seconds left, this kid's still trying for multiple takedowns, shooting and shooting, getting back up, shooting, getting back up, shooting. Like Right, but that shows that's the experience right. in the overall yes. aspect of what is UFC, where you have to be able to, like, okay, I, I can't take him down anymore. I got to strike. I got to throw something, you know, yeah. and you're, you weren't seeing that from he him. He's very it. one-dimensional. Yeah. And he's... That's what that was my argument. You know what I mean? Like, or but sometimes if you're great, night, I should say if you're if you're great in that one dimension, right? Then you'll you'll stand right, but out. That's exactly, but that's a different his story. His amateur status definitely was up on that level. The only difference, in my opinion, is his age. Because being that 19. young is like you said, eighteen years old, nineteen years old. Being that young, it's hard for somebody to believe that you have the right level of experience. But we've seen a bunch of players who are young in basketball, right? Go out there and assert themselves. Maybe not be the best in the league. That kid's not ready to be a champion. Far from it, right? But the promise of him being yeah, they so can, but, close. But they can hang, is what you're saying. Exactly. They can hang. That's fine, but At this 18. is the fight. But this is the fight game. Yeah, you got to win. This is a game where you can just hang. You no, got to win. win. You got a window, Papa. Yeah. And you got to win. And you can only take a certain amount of damage. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And yeah, he, he might have not taken that much damage because he no, wasn't. He, he taking, took somewhere. He was he on did. the floor. He absolutely in that did. Round. He absolutely did. But, you know, like there was a lot more grappling and wrestling that went down in that fight versus, you know, striking. And. That could be argued, but still, the whole point is like this is fighting. It's a little bit different, you know what I mean? Like you really, truly got to be ready because you don't want to, especially if you're underdeveloped. You know, if you're not fully developed yet and stuff. Like, but look, he's got us talking. No, for sure. So I mean, he was on a pay per view fight, exactly. So I think again, the UFC doesn't make mistakes when it comes to signing talent. They've always found a way to get the best talent to come fight for them. And this is just probably one of those early moves to say, you know what? I don't want this guy pr- fighting in freaking pride or somewhere else. I'm going to sign this guy and I'm going to throw him out here and see what he does. Yeah. Well, he goes down. Shout out to Christian because you know what? He looked really good in he that did. fight. He, he, 
showed sharp. the young man sharp. a lesson or two multiple times, and he looked very sharp in his in his win. One unanimous, and I thought that that was yeah, the right he decision. He was down the first round, and he did enough in the second and third round to be able to to get the decision. Yeah, and it was well deserved. Everybody knew at that. You know, it was like. Okay, we know who won this this fight for sure. Yeah, we definitely know who won the second fight too between Kevin Holland and Santiago. So this is where things started heating up in the card. Yeah, I, Kevin Holland, man, that guy. Let me tell you, bro. He and he looks like he's a real dude because at the press conference when I saw him, like he was very relaxed. You know, they were asking him like certain questions, and he'll be like, "Nah, you know, I can't say nothing because my boss is right here." But you know, guys know how I feel about him and stuff like that. So that's a, a reference to what not only the other welterweights in his division, but like s- specific dudes, right? And for him to call people out without really even calling people out, it just shows you like how real he is. You know, he's not that dude that you, he's trying to set a fight and then in the street he's going to say what's up to you and be friendly, friendly. Nah, it, he is who he says he is. And Santiago found that out the hard way. You know, that first round, they were both trying to feel each other out. They were both trying to like connect punches, but... It's something that I told my brother, you know, um, I told Jose, I was like, man, this dude, when he hit him, there was a definite difference, dog, in like how it sounded and how the dude was taking that impact. I'm not saying that he was shook up every time that Kevin punched him in the face, but every time he punched him in the face, it it hurt him. And you can tell that it's demoralizing him at the same time, right? Because he's moving back. Now he's more conscious. And then like his, his confidence is just fading. Um, and then in the second round, dog, this dude just went, see you later, dog. Kevin landed that right hook and. That was it, dog. He stunned him. Well, he, he went he, down to the was, ground. It was crazy because um, he 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 got up after and he was like, "What do you mean? Like, why'd you stop the fight?" Yeah, the, right. to the referee, and uh, I don't think he realized that his face broke his fall. Yeah, because dog, he knocked yeah. him out. He was out, out, and then his face like just woke boom, him straight up. to the floor. Probably and woke he, him up. He still doesn't get up immediately or try to nope. defend. Holland gave him one, and then was like, "Yo, is this dude out?" Like they were like, "Yo, they called it." But he knew, like, he was out. And then all of a sudden, like, he just kind of reactivated again. It's yeah. like, homie, you need a second. You went me me for a second. So yeah. <laughs> we got to wait for you to be able to get your legs under you. And and that's how vicious that game is, you know, that sport. I was super impressed by how these guys even strike at that level, dog. You know, these guys are throwing kicks that the crowd's not even seeing, but the guy's like dodging it or blocking. Right. And then after the guy misses, everybody's like, oh. <laughs> and that was one of those things. When Kevin hit him, it was like, oh. He caught, he and, caught, him. He caught him and everybody heard it. And, they, and the excitement through the building went immediately sky high, dog. Raw. Raw as hell, dog. What a great knockout. I, I'm dying to see who he fights next. Well, dog. that's the interesting thing. I'm dying to see who he fights in next. In his post-fight dog. interview with Rogan, he, he called out Masvidal, but... Yeah. As we know, as we'll get to, Masvidal officially has retired. Well, he won't be fighting anytime soon, man. Not yeah. like that. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know who's going to... There's a number of guys there that he can he can challenge, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And then what's crazy is, like, again, boom, you get the quick fight from Kevin Holland, and he puts on a hell of a performance, right? You're like, man, how's somebody going to be able to top that? Here comes Rob Font <laughs> against Adrian um, Giannis. And this dude was just lightning quick. These small guys, bro. Those are the guys that are even more fucking dangerous in the streets, dog, because they, they look like, ah, this guy's not that threatening, nah, 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 and then boom, knocks did, you out. Did this one win the knockout of the night? Uh, damn, you know what? I didn't check that. I didn't check Let that. Let me look it up. Yeah. Um, 
But Rob Font, dog, the Puerto Rican, come out here and, and put on a show in front of his people, dog. Gets in a, a first-round knockout of, again, he, he, he hit Adrian, and it looked like Adrian's confidence was shook. Again, you're um, where I was sitting, right? I was in the 300s, and you can hear every single punch. You can hear every single kick being checked. Like, you hear that shit. So that just lets you know, like, damn, that one hurt him. This one didn't. This one this one definitely hurt him. And you see the guys get stunned, and it's instantaneously. Like, the guy's stunned before the crowd even reacts. It's, it's, that's how fast it happens, dog. Right. And uh, Rob laced him up, dog. Laced him up, put him to sleep. I barely even had time to drink, get my drink, though. Bro, it was it was, it was good. It was good because you can tell he's scrappy, bro. And he yeah. had he had lost his last two fights. I'm pretty sure Rob Font. Yeah. So it's like it's a huge moment for him to get this knockout. Boom! All of a sudden, and just take him out. Um, I think yeah. he did get a bonus for that night for that knockout. Awesome, as a matter dog. of fact, I'm glad he well got deserved. it. Very well very, deserved. Very, very, very. And then I just think that he's one of those dudes that. You're glad you saw him fight in person because he might be fighting for the title soon. And when he's fighting for that title, or at least a number one contender, you're like, damn, I, this guy, this guy might get some some good action here because of how good he is. What a, an amazing performance! How old is Rob Font? I think. Let's see. I have it right here. Hold on. He's not that old. Well, you know me. I'm I'm old, so I don't. He's think thirty-five, anybody, bro. Yeah, he's, he's, he's gonna. He's up there, bro. He's that's why. He's I, young, that's why. Young, I dog. What you mean? Nah, that's a fighting age, bro. I mean, Masvidal's retiring now. What, 38, 39? Yeah, thirty-eight. You know what I mean? That's about. That's what sounds about right. That's a dog. sign. That sounds about right. Your body starts breaking down and shit. Yeah. There's only so much you can do. Yeah, legally. Yeah, you know, like you saw the nose of. <laughs> well, look. Let's get to it. Uh, the Jorge Masvidal fight versus Gilbert Burns. Um, Man, I, I really had high hopes for George to say, like, maybe this is the one that he really puts all his heart into and, and goes for it. Uh, but Gilbert Burns is a very dangerous welterweight, dog. He's a dude who is pretty much in his prime right now, kind of a guy who who has explosive power, right, can, can definitely submit anybody. And he's been riding a, a good streak so far, you know, and, and the people that he's lost to, right, have been champions or people challenging the champion, you know. So I don't want to say he's a gatekeeper for that role, but that's just the level that he's at, right? He's fighting with the elites of the elite. I, in my opinion, right, George went out there with a good game plan, but even when he connected, he had no pop behind his punches, dog. And, and I know that Gilbert's gotten rocked before, so he doesn't have, like, this amazing chin, right? That's that's not what Gilbert is known for. But George just didn't have the pop, and Burns had that pop. So every time that Burns called George, right, he, he heard him. Boom, demoralizing. Confidence shook, and now your energy is lower because now you you know that you're losing, and I'm beating you up at the same time, you know? It kind of sucks, right? Because you didn't want George to go out like that. You but, don't, you don't, but, but the power was too much from from Gilbert. But you also didn't want him to go out like that. Yeah, in the uh, get knocked out and go out. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, bro, imagine because then imagine there's no more fights after that. Like, then he gets knocked out, and he doesn't come back. And it's like that's kind of sad. He at least went the distance. Um, yeah. But I'll be completely honest with you. You know, going into this fight, I, I wasn't too you know um, enthusiastic about you know putting my money on George. 
because of the fact that, you know, it, it seemed like that, you know, it kind of seemed like he was kind of on a downward trend. He got, yeah. beat, he's gotten beat up by Kobe. He lost to Usman. Like it hasn't, it hasn't been pretty for him these last few fights. And Gil, you know, Gilbert is good, man. Like he's a good fighter. He, like you said, he's in great shape. He looked bigger. I don't know if he looked bigger than him to you guys out there. He just looked more cut. He looks huge, bro. Compared cut. to George. Yeah. And, huge. um, they're like, they're, uh, they're pretty equal in like styles and whatnot. But again, just pop and power. Like you're going to see, you're going to give that to, to Burns looking at the two. And I just felt like Burns might have been holding back a little bit. Here's so not, a hot take. Okay. My hot take this is, shit is hot. I feel like, Mazadal, let him know what's up, yo, homie. Look, check me out. Here's the deal. <laughs> UFC's coming back to Miami. I know there's a lot of Brazilians out there. You know what I'm saying? Let's sell but this shit out. This is my hometown. Let's sell the fuck out of this. Right? Make bank, bro. Let's make bank, bro. All right? But just don't <laughs> knock me out, please, because I'm not trying to go out like that in my hometown in front of my peoples. I mean, look, the last... The Gilbert hasn't really knocked nobody out for a while, right? So I don't think that he he's known for that, but he can he can and definitely does. Excuse me, he definitely has the ability to end the fight quickly via choke, and I think that George did not want to go to the ground at all with him because he knew he was going to lose that battle immediately. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. George probably was willing to trade with him a little bit more, right, and stand in front of him, circle away, maybe let him punch him, so that George ha- may might have an opportunity to counter him and really rock him. And he really didn't. George didn't get a, that chance at all. Gilbert fought a perfect fight all three rounds. He did. Dominated George. Dominated him um, beginning to end. Beginning to end. And, and, you know, George said it on the podcast, on Joe Rogan's podcast. Hey, I'm not going to be no stepping stone. When I know that I can't get do it anymore, I'm done. You know? And it kind of felt like he kind of knew he was losing his power, but he wanted to test himself and see with a guy who he can knock out if he can knock him out. And he couldn't. So George said, you know what? I'm calling in a quiz here in, my, in Miami, in my hometown, after headlining. Like, I'm not going to be no gatekeeper. I'm not going to be a guy that people just use as a stepping stone. Definitely has a rags to riches type story. Has his boxing promotion. Yep. Uh, still trains at American Top Team. So you know he's going to have fighters coming up through that. He even shouted out Trump, who's sitting in the front row. Yeah, bro. I feel like Trump was there mainly because of him. Absolutely. I mean, guy, I, we on. know he has ties with Masvidal and all. I mean, yeah. With, um, with Dana White and all that stuff. But, but like still, him and Masvidal also had ties too, right? Sure, he knew that guy was going to be there. I was like, ah, let me go by and see what's up with this guy's doing. Uh, but yeah, I just think that George knew it was time to bow out and he did it luckily on his feet, yeah. you know, in front of his home crowd. And he got the love that he deserved and got some respect too, you know, yeah, from man. Gilbert. And look, uh, again, I just think that Gilbert uh, is on another level right now, dog. This dude is fighting a two fight win streak so far this year. Uh, his last loss was to Kamzat. Um, who's a killer, right? Mm-hmm. And then before that, he had won against Steven, uh, Steve Wonderboy Thompson and then lost to Usman for the belt. I think this dude is next, next in line for a title shot. You He's know? in the mix. He's in the mix. Seeing what happens with Colby and, and Leon Edwards now is going to be interesting, uh, obviously, because George is not going to fight either one of those guys. Um, I don't know about Colby. He might be brought back for that one more time. George? Yeah, right? Nah, like, I don't think he was coming back, dog. Maybe. I don't for think for another again. Colby fight? No, nah, I don't you think so. Know. You never know. You never know. Maybe because of the beef that's there, but that's what I'm saying. He'll, he'll catch a payday, but I don't think he. Ha- I think he thinks. I think deep down he knows he can't. He can't like compete anymore. Right. You know what I mean? That's yeah. why he's, he's calling it quits, dog. Yeah, rightfully so. Shout out to George, man. Shout out to George, bro. Shout Hell of a career four, game, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way to represent, dog. Uh, let's get to the main event of the evening. By the way, dog, I just said that and it reminds me of one thing, dog. Um, this dude Buffer, 
uh, what's his name? Bruce. Bruce Buffer. This dude has all my respect in the fucking world. Oh, yeah, because you got to hear it live? Not only did I get to hear it live, dog, but sitting down, right, I'm drinking, I'm chilling with Joel. Shout out to Joel. Shout out to Sergio and shout out to Delphin and even and Jesse, who are all in the building, too, man. All you guys. Um, it was dope. But I'm, I'm, we're there talking, and before the fight gets, like, the fighters are getting ready to come out, like, you look down there, and you see this dude, like, stretching, moving his back, like, you know, like, hyping himself up, going over his nose uh, as the fighter's walking in, and boom. And then, we're like, when he brings it, dog, he's not just doing it for you because you're in the main event. He's doing it because he loves that shit, dog. And he gets such excitement, dog, from saying those people's names that I thought his head was going to explode, dog. Like, you can see his face getting super red from the top because of how hard he's going in for this introduction. So, so see it li- like, you see it on TV and it's one thing, right? No, it's pretty hype when you see it on TV, dog. Yeah, for sure, it right? It hypes me up every time. For sure, right? And then imagine that shit in live, dog. And he goes, Fighting! Bro, everybody's saying that shit at the same time, dog. Bro. Fighting out of the red corner! I'm mixed martial arts. Jorge. And the place is blowing up. Game my way of Miami, Florida. <sighs> because bro, that shit's hype. I'm getting chills yeah, right bro, now, bro. That shit's hype. You see it on I'm TV. Never I can only that imagine, shit. Bro. I'm telling I can you. Only imagine and he's the one who, who fucking flips the switch right. of the electricity, dog. Right. He's the one, dog. He's so the, yep. Bruce Buffer has all my respect in the world, dog. He's the breaker. He's the one, dog. He's the one, man. Wow, dog! What a what a master of of his craft. So this this intro for this main fight, bro, was electric, dog. Because Izzy, you know, usually he he's known for his style and, and doing something the, flashy. The this dude here. Came, and he was the challenger, but he came out, dog. No games. This was the first time in a real long time that he doesn't come out and doesn't have like a little intro or something like that. Or this dude came out and walked straight to the fucking ring, dog. And in my mind, I was like, oh shit. This dude's ready to die for sure tonight because he's going out there to get this dub no matter what. And then I see Alex Pereira walk out, dog. And he, like, the spotlight's on him, so obviously you know it's him, dog, but that dude is massive. He is a big motherfucker, dog. The fact that you can see him from far and he still stands (laughs) out against everybody else that's security, quote-unquote, walking around him. Like, was crazy. And when he does that shit where he brings the arrows, oh, like, that place was going crazy. And, again, Bruce Buffer comes in and sets the tone for the evening, dog. And he hypes these guys up so much. And I feel like the fight had so much electricity because the moment it went off, dog, everybody was cheering. They were cheering the whole round, dog. The whole round. And that first round was exciting, too, because both these guys were, like, kind of feeling each other out. But they were, like... We're not going to waste time, right? Like this touchy, touchy shit. I'm going to try to hit you because I already know your game plan. I know who, what your power is, all of that, and vice versa. So let's just get it on. And they were trying to ex- ex- execute their game plans, and it didn't really work. It looked like Izzy really was a little bit behind the pace of what Alex was bringing, right? Obviously, Alex was dominating the, the center of the octagon. But Izzy looked comfortable. He looked very confident in his uh, striking ability to say, I can stand with this dude. I got to do a good job of dodging him, right? Because he's obviously much bigger than I am right now. And I have the power or the timing to to knock him out. First round was pretty much a draw. Maybe you give it to Izzy because he he landed more more punches. But every time this dude, Alex, would get close to landing or did land a shot, 
It was a big shot, and it, and you could tell that it was a hard shot to Izzy. You know, it wasn't phasing him, but it definitely drained his battery. You know what I mean? Like you see his percentage go from one hundred percent to ninety six percent. You know, he just <laughs> yeah, like that, like in a video game. Boom, second round. Uh, Alex felt like, all right, I'm asserting myself here. I have the opportunity to to push forward. I'm gonna try to do that this round. He did a good job of of really pushing the pace the second round to say, all right, he probably won the first round. That Izzy won the first round. Now I'm going to go out and win the second round. But I think that Izzy was prepared for that because it kind of happened in the second fight too where Alex came out, um, well, the first UFC fight, where Alex came out in the right. second round. Because this is now the, the fourth, fourth time. time that they fought professionally. Right? Yes, yes. And in that in that first time in the UFC, Alex came out a little bit more assertive in the second round. He kind of threw Izzy off his game plan for a little bit in that first fight. This time, Izzy had kind of game plan for it because Alex did come out much stronger. He came out much more aggressive, and he was throwing more kicks. And he he felt like he was going to be able to work the body to bring Izzy's hands down and then finish him off. And Izzy fucking baited him, dog. He baited him into bringing him closer. He kind of like pushed back against the fence and was absorbing some of the punches that Alex was throwing. And he timed it so perfectly that the moment Alex was stepping, stepping back, he was already coming with an overhand right. Boom, right on the temple. Caught Alex by complete surprise. Completely turned his body to the right. You know what I mean? Again, we're I'm from my vantage point, I could see his whole body turn right. And I'm like, oh shit, he's gonna go down. And then Izzy catches him with another overhand right, drops him, hits his head on the mat even harder, and I think that's what put him out. And then of course, you know, Izzy, he had to get those two extra shots, you know what I mean? Like, yo, fuck you, you beat me twice, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to beat the crap out of you. Give him two quick hammer fists, and they called it. And I think it was a hell of a performance and a, a real show showmanship of uh, perseverance, dog, because this dude had beat him three straight times, knocked him out twice. Like, like you know well, what I mean? The last fight, man, the last fight, Izzy had knocked him down, and then the round True. got stopped. So, like, it was very, very similar in the way that he finished him this time around. And he didn't, he obviously he went on to go lose that fight later on, uh, in, in the fifth round or the final round. Right. I yeah. think that's when it, 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 he ended up getting knocked out or whatever. And he wasn't letting that happen this time. He did. He looked extremely focused. He looked like he was on a mission. You know, like you said, he usually flashy trying to, you know, being show off, you know, that, he, but he, he reverted. He was like, Nope. I'm not at the top. I'm not going to, you know, I, I I want that again. He had that hunger again. And that's Hell always yeah. the question when you're at the top is like, hey, you're going to be able to sustain that because, you know, you already reached that. Now somebody else is hungry. Then you're coming. Right. Oh, he had a new reason. You know what I mean? He got Hell knocked yeah. off the top. So he looked like he was back on that mission. And it was interesting in that second round, man, because when we were watching it, we felt like there was favoritism. Obviously, the UFC likes him a lot. There's a lot of fans of Israel Adesanya, the style bender, everything that he encompasses and what he's been able to do. He's going to go down as one of the greatest of all time in, in this sport, and he's still got a long way to go. Yep. Um, but we were, you know, we we're like, man, they're not even talking about, you know, anything Pereira's doing. You know, everything that Izzy does, they're like, oh, nice job, nice this, nice that. And then right there, boom, Pereira hits him with one. Yeah. And we we're like, look at that. They're not even saying anything about that. And then he has him up against the fence. The fence. And he's going kind of teeing off a little bit. And we're like, oh shit, Izzy's in trouble. And then one second to the other, dude, it was just he caught he kind of just hit him with a little left check, and then that opened up that right as he was stepping back. 
caught him, he stunned him, and then the other one was the was the final blow. It was it was awesome. It was electric. It was awesome in the living room here with ten people. Oof, I can only imagine that. with thousands of people around me, bro. I mean, it was that must have been pandemonium. It was crazy. And you know what? I, I'm glad that you brought that up because in the arena when Alex was landing his shots, dog, the crowd was reacting to it every single time. So they were definitely. Let's say split. They were 50-50. You know what I mean? Like half the crowd wanted Izzy, half the crowd wanted Alex. And both of these guys, whenever they landed something or got a real good shot off, the crowd anticipated it and either booed it (laughs) or clapped for it. You know what I mean? So the crowd was definitely engaged. And Alex is a hell of a warrior, bro, because he that guy walks around at 220, man. We talked about it. And for him to make 185, dog. That's so wild. That's not healthy. That's not healthy, dog. So, you know, kind of after a fight, a lot of the the tweets and shit and the talk around the the arena with the rest of the people who are fans of the UFC was, um, does he go into light heavyweight? He should. Right? And fight a guy like John Prokovich, who's a dude who's coming back. He lost to uh, uh, Jamal, Jamal Hill, you know? So... Probably a good fight for Prochek to come back to. Let's see. But Alex definitely shouldn't be fighting at 145, 185. Izzy definitely owns 185. Becomes the first two-time middleweight champion in UFC history, right? And became the fourth uh, of 15 fighters to regain the belt on an immediate rematch. Yeah, bro. Like a back-to-back fight. He's that dude, bro. Yeah, he's that dude. And Usman couldn't pull that off because he fought Leon Edwards twice and lost twice. And lost twice. So, yeah, man, shout out to Izzy for putting on a great fight. Shout out to the UFC and Dana White for putting on an amazing card in Miami, man. The prelims were on fire. The even early prelims were fired too. The final prelim, the gasoline fight, one fight of the night. Yeah, dog, it deserved it. It absolutely deserved it, dog. Every week, bro, every time they put one on, bro, it's always a great time. Yeah. And then this time, it just brought out all the stars. You're in Miami, it brings out all the stars. It just makes it even more of a spectacle. Hell yeah. So, you said that. They're going to try to bring it back in the next few years. If that's not Dana White's top priority to bring the, back, another ASAP, UFC back in the next two years, years. Yeah, for sure. Then he's doing something wrong. I think he will. I think he will. He knows the potential out here. There's a ton of Brazilian, ton of Argentinian people, tons of people from Mexico, ton of people from South America in general, you know? You throw a Puerto Rican fighter here. That shit was packed, too. Come on. Like, you just got to keep that element to know that we can hit a really broad range on the spectrum for ethnic cis, uh I can't even say that word down here. Don't even try it. That one. Uh, Ethnicity. I got it. Ethnicities? That's the one. (laughs) Different ethnicities? Yeah, same shit. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was dope. And I'm glad that I was there, bro. History, man. man. First time in 20 years. That's awesome, man. That was awesome. I'm glad you were able to go. Yeah, man. Something else that was awesome this weekend, bro, especially between us, right? Because we share a, a passion of golf, right? Yours is a little bit more crazier than mine. Yeah. Some some would say. You're crazy, man. I'm crazy. <laughs> oh, man, you're crazy. Uh, the 87th Masters Championship this uh-huh. weekend. Uh-huh. Kind of a weird mix of exciting golf and, like, weird golf because... They had the element of having the first day pretty good on Thursday, right? Friday, a little bit of rain. And then Saturday, like, the floodgates open, dog. Had to cancel rounds and shit. Like, and, yeah, they and, battled. They battled the weather. You know, and we were talking about it a little bit with Jason a little bit uh, before we started the show. Shout out to Jason. Um, he he even mentioned it. Like, dog, you could tell the vibe was off after the rain, dog. It threw a bunch of people off. And... Some guys were able to take advantage, like John Rahm, who had a nice really comeback, and some people couldn't, like Brooks Kepa, who never found his rhythm again after that. 
Yeah. Uh, it was it was rough, man. Yeah. But you were chiming in like a motherfucker. I mean, I watched <laughs> throughout the whole freaking chat, dog. Shout I out, Miami Golf Bros, twenty twenty three. We out there. I watched a lot, man. I mean, you talk about the beginning of the 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 tournament on Thursday. John Rom comes out opening hole. He's on the green in two, four putts for double bogey. That's how John Rom starts the Masters, eighty seven Masters. All right, with a four putt double bogey on the first. Then fires off a seven under round on the first day after that double bogey. Yep. And obviously put himself in the mix. But then you have, you know, the storylines are, you know, are always going to be there. You know, Jordan Spieth, can he, you know, make it back to win another green jacket? Hold can, on, even some bigger ones. Can PGA Rory, versus Liv. I was building up to that. So yeah, I just right, kind of swept the rug from right on. I appreciate man. that. But you got to uh, start with that, though. Great co-host. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, storylines are all around it. And then you have... The guys that go out late early, because you usually go out either early in the day, Thursday, and then late in the day on Friday, or you go out the opposite, late Thursday, early Friday. The guys that went out late early benefited because they yep. got the best weather. And then Brooks Kepka was one of those guys. He was able to get himself in the mix. He was, I think, 12 under through 36 holes. Um, having a great, you know, great, great tournament, especially with, you know, the win that last week that he had on the live uh, tour in Orlando or whatever, and all the, the questions and drama around him and, you know, what he's able to do, you know, where his mindset is at, what we saw in the documentary, yep. full swing, you know, that he was kind of down on himself and, and wasn't really, you know, believing in himself. And now he's back in contention at a, the first major of the year at the the Masters tournament, you know, this is this is it. This is this is the, the the moment where you come back to glory. But the weather just came in and had other plans, man. And they yeah, they had to they had to postpone the the third round, and they got pushed into the to Sunday. So they had to finish up their third round on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So they got more golf in on Sunday. You would think they'd be more warmed up, but as the day went on, yeah. Brooks. Could, you know, he couldn't keep up with John Rahm and what he was able to do. And the big joke, the running joke was, well, that's probably why he went to go play on live because they yeah, only sure, play sure. 54 holes. They don't play 72. So he would have been champion after 54. Yeah. But that's why the PGA plays 72. Yeah. Uh, it's a very good point to bring up because it's a very real point. But I want to say about Brooks, like he had talked about how much the Masters meant to him, right? And, and being able to play in this tournament and be a part of it because there was a lot of uncertainty before the season had started whether or not they were going to be able to come back to it and whatnot. And he definitely played like he wanted a win, dog. He was so focused, he dog. He was hitting bomb-ass drives, like putting really well. A really impressive performance, dog, against the amount the of good three, golfers that were in there. The first two and a half rounds. For the first two and a half rounds. Yeah, you know what I mean? But he dominated the first two and a half rounds. Not that he won it, like, by a stroke or two, or he was ahead by a couple of strokes. Nah, dog, he had shot a, a, a what, a minus two, 12 or, over the first two rounds? I think 12 under, yeah. And, and he was prime, bro. He was like, all he had to do was just really just... Play par golf. Like, don't give anything away. You know, don't three putt. I remember on on Sunday morning, there was a a three-foot putt he had for par. And the announcer goes, oh, he hasn't three putt all week. What happens? Of course he three puts. He jinxed them, bro. Of, of course. course. And then after that, he had like another one or two three putts, you know, in the, in the final round, you know, hours later. So, this guy... He's all over the all place. over the place. If you can hear that wrestling in the background, it's it's Rocky. It's he's a, the mascot. Uh, it's the mascot for the show. Um, he's a little hyped up right now, but uh, nah, man, it was a great great Masters. Um, Jordan Spieth made a kind of a run the last day. Him and, and Phil Mickelson were in the same group, and they were just firing off birdies. Phil was managed Freaking to Phil, to tie Brooks for second place. Freaking Phil became the oldest golfer to finish in the top five. 
right? Yeah. 52 year old. And he also became, what else? Damn it. Um, also had shot the lowest round ever yes. for somebody over the age of 50. Correct. Though. And you also wow. had Fred Couples, oldest player to make the cut at the Masters at yes. 63 years old. Rocky, yes. stop. Stop. <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, what else? What other storyline do we have? Oh, uh, Patrick Reed also made the top five. How about Great. the biggest one, though? He had a good uh, performance, and we'll get to that now. It's a sad one. Um, but that made three out of five of the top five were live players. Yeah. So that just kind of, you know, it's like they, they still got some talent. Some of the best talent in, in, in the sure. world. But the top talent at the end of the day is John Rahm. Yeah. Dog. He's the world number one right now, deservedly, after this win. Bro, he, he definitely deserves the number one spot. Um, Scotty finished in the top 10, right? Time for the top Scottie, 10. man, he putted so bad. So bad. Man. So unlike still in the mix, too. Hold on he, one second. Even in, in, at Innisbrook, dog, there was a lot of missed putts that he had within that tournament and then in, it kind of just continued for him in this tournament because he had to keep like that focus or that level of play in order to keep up with the rest of the pace my whole thing during the weekend was like for you to be in in a real contention right because there was a hovland was in contention for a while he got hot the first right? two days but the weather i think the, was another the, one that affected him. that's definitely the biggest thing that changed the the outcourse of the of the tournament right yeah. the weather definitely took away momentum or gave momentum right but if you're talking about john rom like he kind of kept himself in the mix in those first two rounds Bro, right poised very poised very in the mix and then in the third round again kept himself close enough to the point where he's like, all right, now I can kind of turn it up here. I'm kind of dialed in. Let's go after this tournament. Yeah. And you and I have spoken about John Rahm and his mission this season. I told you, dog, I feel like he's very focused on winning as many big major tournaments as possible. No, this absolutely. Year, that's how that's how you separate yourself. Like, it's cool to have, you know, Dustin Johnson's stat, 24 wins on the PGA Tour. That's dope, dog. But you know what's also pretty impressive? Brooks Kepka's four major championships. Yes. Bro. You know, he doesn't have as many tour wins, but he has four majors. And that that speaks volumes, man, to be able Hell to win yeah. that. And also all the runner ups that Brooks has had in majors, including now this one. The, another yes, runner up. Another at the Masters. At the Masters, bro. And it's the first one of the season, you know, as far as major championships, you got three more. You got the PGA, you got the US Open, and you got the Open. It's gonna be interesting to see what these guys can do in those yeah. tournaments. And look, that makes it two two majors in three years for, for John Rahm. Right, he won the U.S. Two, Open two and two. He won. I think he won last year, didn't he? Twenty twenty one. U.S. Open he, in twenty twenty one. We're in twenty twenty three. Oh yeah, Matt Fitzpatrick won the the U.S. Open last year. Yeah. So, but still, super impressive, dog. Two yeah. two majors in yeah. in three years. Come on, he's, dog. And he's and he's world number one. I mean, he wins regularly. And not only that, dog. To and this is why I kind of give Scotty the the benefit of the doubt, right? Because the the top five right now in the world, dog, they're like really close to each other dog like it's it's basically who can play better this weekend between us five to see who gets this number one spot and this weekend it just so happens to be john right because he played an amazing full tournament right he yeah. didn't really get rattled by the one, by the of, one of those guys didn't even make the cut rory rory yeah. didn't even make the cut he played yeah. horrible so played his terrible. quest for the the career grand slam continues, uh, continues. and then on, on the other sad thing was you know you know, you get our boy Tiger making the cut after Sheesh. Justin Thomas misses the cut. Yeah. Almost like he like, you know, that's a hot fell, fell on a sword yeah, for right? Tiger. Like, don't worry, Tiger, I'm going to keep your cut streak alive. And he just, you know, double bogeys or bogeys the last hole to like miss the cut. And then Tiger ends up withdrawing. Yeah, dog. And bro, again, that rain. 
Yeah. That cold weather, because it got into the low 40s. Yeah. Sunday, even Sunday morning was 40 degrees when these guys were teeing off, dog. To finish the third round, <laughs> you know, like that's, bro, if you've never played golf, A, you, you know what 40 degrees feels like down here in Miami. Everybody's wearing big ass fur coats, dog. These guys are out there on a golf course whipping wind, you know what I mean? With yeah. a very thin layer on, out there trying to hold a metal shaft, right? To hit a, a golf ball 200 something yards. It's not easy, dog. Nah, dog. And, and again, you had to withstand that and have that mental fortitude. And I think that's where John definitely separated himself, man. Uh, between the fourth or fifth Spaniard to win the, the Masters. The fourth one. The fourth so one. So you got uh, Jose Maria Olifabo, who was the one that greeted him as soon as he won. Yeah. Finished been making the putt. Um, you have uh, Sergio Garcia, who won it when John Rahm actually made his debut. You. At the Masters Wild. in 2017, I believe. Yeah. And the uh, the fourth one is the most famous famous one in Seve Ballesteros, who is John Rahm's idol. And actually, when John Rahm won it, it would have been uh, Seve's birthday. I don't know what birthday, but yeah. it was on his, it was on his, his birthday, birthday that he won it. So Major. It was crazy, crazy storylines, man. It was beautiful. It was dope to see. Well-deserved. Yeah. Um, great performances, you know, from other guys that, you know, you see, you love to see. <laughs> um, shout out to a newcomer. So a guy that didn't get paid for his performance, but Sam Bennett, you will get paid. Um, He was the lone amateur that made the cut at the tournament, and he was in the mix, man. He ended up doing really, really well. In the mix. That man was played in every featured group for the weekend, dog. In the mix yeah, well, the first day, the dog. first day they do that as an honorary thing. Yeah, but, then, but he's but there. He earned spots after that. But he definitely earned his spots after that, and by being in that first featured group, he definitely more than held his own. Dog, yeah, he was playing with me? Scotty and Max Homa. I Come think, on, that, yeah, yeah, and and you get you're talking about world number one, Scotty, at the time, and Max Homa was I think top ten. Yes, guys. So like. This kid, man, and his story, dog. After losing his dad to Alzheimer's, yeah, um, having his tat, his those words on his arm. Don't wait to do something, dog. Like tattooed, like nah. It was a real feeling story, and then he talked about it too. Like you see his presser, he's like, I don't have the prettiest swing, I don't have the fastest club head speed, I don't have, you know, you know, all this formal stuff or whatever. But he's right. like, but it's golf. Get the ball in the hole. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's dog. that's what I can do. Yeah, and like, you gotta love that kind of hell. You yeah, know what I mean that that realness. Dog, again, an amazing story, dog. Yeah, he didn't make any money this weekend, but that kid is definitely getting a million more eyes on him right now for sure. Uh, he went back to his school as a hero, right? Because he got back. He's from, at Texas A&M, right? Yeah, Texas A&M went back as a hero, dog. You know, had over 50 people waiting for him in the lobby of, like, the building they have for the golf to, uh, build, um, athletic department. Bro. Yeah. It just sucks. It what just sucks future. he's not going to get paid for that. Yeah, like, bro, bro. I'm sorry. So he can't get paid because of his amateur status. Right. From the Masters or whatever, even though he deserves money. The NIL is coming from where he, But the NIL <laughs> makes things interesting now. It's definitely coming for that kid. Because okay. now he can get paid immediately. Like, he'll get some sort of deal or whatever the hell. Yeah, bro. And look, he knows what's waiting for him once he becomes an amateur, uh, a professional golfer, right? He's, but he's definitely a humble kid. He. Has his head on straight, yeah. knows what path he he should be taking, and played amazing, dog. And honestly, gave somebody who's not necessarily a golfer, deep head type guy, right? Like, if you're just watching it as an innocent bystander, let's say, dog, right? You're at an Easter party, and you're watching the Masters, and you hear that kid's story, you're definitely going to be inspired, bro. And you're definitely going to tune in even more and be like, you know what? I'm going to follow this little guy's career and see what happens. Um, yeah, man. Shout out to Sam Bennett, dog. What an amazing weekend for him, dog. Yeah, shout out amazing. to Augusta National, man. Hell of, a, <laughs> hell of a tournament, hell of a championship. I mean, it's it's like nothing else, man. Yeah, I bro. I just it can't really believe is, we got to wait a whole other year for it.
Yeah, but we got another big tournament coming up soon, right? We got more tournaments. We got more majors. This is yeah. just the first of them, but it's just it's crazy how it works in golf. Like this is the premier one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, what a great tournament! Dog. It was amazing, dog. What a great tournament! It was great. All right, now it's time for Miami Heat talk. Okay, we got to get into it. The season ended, right? They've won what three out of the last four games. Actually won three games in a row for the first time this year. Yeah, go figure. Go figure, um, right? Where Udonis Haslam scoring 20-something points in the final game. My dog. Um, but, yeah, we finished off, you know, high level, seventh seed. We're in the playing tournament officially. Yep, yep. Um, so that's what you need to know about the Heat. Um, and the, the way that they got into it was kind of, I don't want to say backdooring it, but it, it wasn't a lot of good performances. You know, you have... Jimmy doing his thing, right? Uh, we beat Detroit on the road uh, right after we were recording. Um, and it was a tough game. That He really had to struggle to get that game from the worst team in the NBA, dog. Literally the worst team in the NBA. And, it, you know, I had a 38-point uh, fourth quarter in, in that game, led by Jimmy, who had 18 points in the fourth quarter. Like, ended up with 27. If it's not a Jimmy night, it makes it really hard for us to win games. And if Jimmy's not playing... It's hard for everybody else to step up consistently. Yep. And in that like game, that all season. Yeah, dog. In that game, if it wasn't for Jimmy, we would have lost. He took over uh, after us being down, I think like 101 to 103, something like that. Jimmy took over, made a bucket, and then we never looked back. Then, you know, uh, you get us a very surprising game against the 76ers where offensively everybody's clicking. You beat them 129 to 101, and they weren't really in the match at all, dog. Uh, at halftime, it was 67 to 46. Like, when the hell do you ever see the Heat scoring 67 points in the in the first half? Nah, it just shows you that everybody was on fire from three. And the Heat have always been a three-point shooting team. And when they can make them, they're dangerous, dog. You know what I mean? The hero's hitting them. Struess is hitting them. Gabe Vincent was hitting them. Like, those are things that add up. If you got guys going five out of nine, that shit adds up, dog. You know, 15 threes in a game is a lot. 17, 18 is a lot. And like you said, we don't often have those. Nah, it's man. few and four. Nah, man. It's hard. It, I mean, Hero was the one on fire that night. He was five of eight. Uh, Struess, too, shot 50%, four of eight from three. Like I said, those are the guys that, that when they're when they're making them, it, it makes sense that they're making them, right? But we still didn't see Tyler get to the free throw line. He only had five free throws, made all five. He's on a, a free throw streak, right? Knock on wood, dog. Um, where he's made, I think his last thirty three now straight free throws. It's very impressive. I just wish it was happening more often, and he doesn't have to be perfect. You know, I, I'd rather him shoot eighty free throws in in a month, a hundred free throws in a month, than just. 30 to 40, you know what I mean? But what was concerning that game was Bam being dominated by Embiid. Don't get me wrong, dog. dog. Yeah, Embiid's probably the MVP this year, right? I I would vote for him, but Bam just hasn't been the same since the All-Star game, dog. And when when you put him up against, like, a guy like Embiid, dog, like, just shows you the bigness lacks, right? Like, the, the tall factor is definitely an X factor against those two because... Bam just didn't really have an answer for Embiid, dog. He never does, bro. Anytime we play him, that's always the concern. And yeah. if we're trying to run our offense through Bam on certain, you know, strategies and stuff, it's not, it's not good because you got Embiid towering right over him. Yeah, and then again, instead of going into the playoffs right with some type of heavy ass momentum or at least some some string of real good games. You have the tough win in Detroit. You have the surprising offensive onslaught in Philadelphia. You come out and you lose to a Washington team that's 
whack as hell, dog. You lose 114 or 108. Everybody sits the game, right? No Hero, no Bam, no Butler. I didn't understand that. No Kevin Love. Why do we do that? My boy Lou mentioned it too. He was like, I don't know why the hell we're not sitting after going after it, you know, going after 60. You never know what happens. Yeah, you put yourself in a position where you're, fa- you're hoping Brooklyn loses, right, in order for you to catch them and get ahead of them. Yeah, that's true. But in order for that to happen, even if they do lose, you still have to win games. And you have to give it everything you got to win those games. And, you know, you sit everybody down after a good win like like Philadelphia. I just didn't, like you said, I didn't understand it. Dog. I didn't understand it. But, yeah, it was bad timing. It was bad timing, dog. They locked themselves into uh, uh, the seventh seed. You know, Washington had been on a four-game losing streak. So I felt like even if you would have played two out of the three guys, you would have gotten a good result. I don't know, man. Just a questioning game, right, towards the end of the season. Right. It seems like you need every single one. It didn't seem that way. We did. We did need every single one of these games. And to do that late, it's like, why are we not playing any of these guys? Like, is there a reason where they hurt? Like, there wasn't an actual reason given. And then the game that you would think would be a ceremonial game, right, which was the last home game of the season, last game of the season against Orlando, where they get the win, 123 to 120, uh, which it happens to be UD's last home game in the regular season, right? And instead of that being the ceremonial game where people are off and whatever, it doesn't matter. You lose Orlando, you probably already figured out what's happening with the six and seven seed. No, they let people play that game, guy. They start bam. They you know, and in my mind, I'm like, what the f? You know, you're doing this just because Ass backwards. Ass backwards, and you're not even going to start UD. To say, like, on your polomeno, I started with UD the last game. Not even, guy. You bring them in into the first quarter, which I get allows for the. The applause and the recognition, but stardom, guy. If you're going to make it the whole thing about UD, make it about UD, dog, and stardom, right? Give them that respect with people. Put them in the freaking center of the for the jump ball, dog. Like, let's get it. You know what I mean? And it just didn't happen. Very weird. He he went out there and balled out, hit, yeah. hit three threes, crazy. 24 points, you know, led the team. Um, had an alley oop dunk, dog. Like, he, Man went off in his last game, dog, and it was it was good to see that. Yeah, bro, because he's been such a great representation of for the three hundred five dog in Miami in general. You know what I mean? Twenty years, twenty years in it, dog, has given his blood, sweat, and tears literally for this team and for the city, dog. Like he's always put us on his back. Like he's not only a representative of what the Miami Heat are, but every time we're on the road, like they look at UD and they know, damn, that's Miami right there, dog. Like, yeah, D-Way's a superstar, LeBron's a superstar, whatever, but that dude right there is Miami. And we got to thank UD for that, dog, as a city, you know, because he's always putting us on the map and and in a good, positive light too, dog. Guy does so much work in the community, helps out so many young players in, in, in their NBA journey, you know what I mean? Like you said, he's been in it for 20 years. Uh, and longer too. I yeah, mean, man. He's on Miami High. Yeah, man. Right. He yeah, was bro. A, a Gator. Yeah, bro. So you know he's been in Florida for a long time. That man has repped and put on, dog. That guy's a legend. We got to name a street after UD, dog. We got to get that going, dog. Maybe a whole city, dog. I can't wait to go to the game next year where they hang his raft, his banner, his Haslam, his jersey, Haslamberg. Haslamberg. <laughs> let's call it. Let's call it Haslamberg. something like that. I think well, you know we'll work on the name. Haslam Street. It. Something We're like that. You know the name. Don't worry. We're I, gonna work it I out. I think he deserves his own town. Let's finish it up with this. They're they're gonna be in the t- playing tournament. I was hoping that they avoided. They get uh, number eight seed Atlanta Hawks, a team we've dominated this year. Right, We're, we went three and one in the season series. And and we're literally been one of the very few teams who's been able to shut down Trey Young completely every time we play him. Uh, it looks very favorable for the Heat, and they should win this game, right? Fuck you, Dolphin. They should win this game, dog. But 
I, I, something in me, dog, wouldn't be surprised if, if they lose, lost. Dog. I'm, I'm writing that sentiment with you, dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm expecting these guys to go uh, out there and right, win, dog. Right, like, right. no bullshit. Don't right. make it a, a, a one point victory, neither. I don't want no close game. Go but, out there, beat the Hawks, and then get yourself into a really good position to face the Celtics, dog. Or you don't got to play another game. You don't have to worry about, like, oh, Konya, we got to face another 19. Are we going to be 8, 9? Or no, 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 no. Go out there. Take care of business. Put yourself in a position where you don't have to question anything and you get ready for the biggest task I had. Yep. Facing an amazing Boston Celtics team. Yep. Dog. Like, you definitely don't want to face number one Philadelphia because we just saw what happened to Bam. At least with, with the Celtics, we know that they don't have a really big guy who can dominate Bam all game long. It can happen here and there, but it won't be all game long. I mean, I think either way, we're still talking about a first round knockout. Yeah, for sure. It's I mean, not, it's not, you can't have a lot of confidence. And yeah, like I was going to no. say, you know, like all those things, like we, we expect all those things, but we've seen this team. We followed them all year and we wouldn't put it past them, you know, to lose this game and get knocked out. You know what I mean? Or have nah, to go out and would. play on another game and like cost themselves more like trouble than, than they need to. Cause this year has just not been a great year for, for heat basketball, but it's playoff time. You know, we can win this game. We can reset uh, worry about you know who, the Celtics or whatever, um, and that's a whole other podcast episode in itself. For sure, for sure. But look I, I, again, I, I do expect the Heat to win, but I won't be surprised if they lose. I'm with you. You know what I mean? I won't be surprised, but it's gonna have to take a but Jimmy. We're but we're winning. We're winning. We're but winning. it's but it's gonna be on the it's strength of Jimmy's game, dog. Everything no. and everybody. No, it's gonna be all Jimmy, dog. Jimmy's gonna have to drop forty five points. <sighs> That's a bold take. I like that, though. No, nah, he's going to do it. 45. He's going to do it. 45 points. You heard it here. I like that. You heard it here, dog. Um, yeah, man, let's let's wrap this thing up, dog. You know, we got to tell everybody, go check us out and make sure that they're following us on shows, social. I always have a hard time. Uh, social media? That one, social media. Social dog. media, social including media. Instagram, yes, Twitter, sir. YouTube. YouTube. Hey. YouTube right now, because I just put up an amazing interview I had with that new man. That yes. dude is a real champion dog he's gonna be headlining uh bkfc 38 so go ahead and check that out man and if you haven't already you got to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell one more friend to tell a group of friends to tell another group of friends about this amazing podcast we got coming for you from the 305 like george masvidal ud man don't wait don't slip don't do it don't do it and just tune in tune in till next time y'all peace don't sleep